Welcome back to a brand new bonus episode, number 34, Full Metal RPG. I am your host, Brendan Carrion, and I have a very special guest today. Today we are joined by none other than Matt Kelly, founder of Exalted Funeral, the shop that is known internationally as the (laughs) spot to go to get your shit. Matt, welcome to Full Metal RPG, man. What is up? Hey, thanks for having me. I super appreciate it. Oh, yeah. It's an he, honor. He, okay, listeners. Cultist, <laughs> he's all like, oh, I super appreciate it all, Mr. Humble and shit, when it's just like, Matt and Exalted Funeral have done so much to prop up Full Metal RPG and to get the word out about <laughs> what we're doing. And anytime I've got some little idea, Matt's totally in my corner getting people, getting eyes on it, and he's all like, oh, thank you. No, Matt, thank you for everything that you've done, and thank you for having such a fucking killer internet presence and such a killer shop. Oh, thank what you. do you want to talk about tonight, man? Um, I'm down to talk about anything. Let's talk about games, uh, Star Wars action figures, uh, you know, whatever you want to talk about, dude. Fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. So, this is the so bonus. tonight's bonus episode. Yeah, right? This is, this is going to be a little bit different than usual. I mean, usually kind of like, you know, when we do the bonus episode, we have a particular creator on and we're kind of like pitching something. It's usually a talk about like somebody's design ethos or very most often usually somebody's got a Kickstarter or something going on and and I have I have got a little bit of blowback from the cult where they're like, Hey Brendan, uh, remember when Full Metal RPG wasn't just like an endless series of commercials for Kickstarters? <laughs> that was cool. <clears throat> and I'm like, Yeah, bro, but here's the thing, and maybe this is a good opportunity for me to address the entire cult. Uh like a lot of the people who are in the RPG industry are people who have day jobs, you know, and they're just like accountants or insurance salespeople mm-hmm. and they they would work their 40 hours and they drive home in traffic and then they sit down in front of a typewriter and then they crush it out, you know what I'm saying? And they they're not professional writers, they're not like living that life of Riley and uh I like to use Full Metal RPG as a signal boost. So often I will have people come to me and they'll say, "Oh, I'd like to be on the show." And I'd say, "Cool." Let's sync that up for your Kickstarter when your Kickstarter is because whatever little tiny bit of bandwidth I can give somebody, I would like to be helpful in the small, small way that I can. But it does end up coming off like a commercial. Well, uh, tonight, w- go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, that's a wonderful thing, though, really. I mean, you know, that's uh, I know sometimes people are like, uh, this, this overdose, but you know, I mean, man, this is a, such a small community. And you know, like you said, you got a lot of creators that are like, oh, man, I'm, you know, working at Kohl's today, like 17 hours and I got a, you know, my Kickstarter help. So that's a <laughs> thing you do. <laughs> Dude, hundred hundred percent, man. Because it's like, uh, you know, um, I remember when I was a kid and I thought like, Oh man, I bet like the guys at white wolf, I bet they're just all like hanging out at goth clubs. And mm. it's like, nah, man, it's like fucking, uh, uh, RPG writers, horror writers, <clears throat> they got 40 hour a week grinds and families and bills and shit mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know so it's like we all got to kind of look out for each other you know it's not like um it's not like i'm some like paparazzi who's like trying to like you know get in on kim kardashian it's like you know you go to gen con and you meet these dudes and you shake their hands and you realize that they're dudes just like you and it's you know we all got to help each other out, yeah. right you all got to pass the left a little bit anyway anyway enough about that Tonight it's me and you. We're just hanging out, two guys who love games, talking about games. So, um, uh, my my first my first question for you is, and I feel like I know the answer to this already. What you been playing? What you been playing? Anything good? You got? Boy, you know this is going to be a real disappointing answer to quite a few people because <laughs> it's uh, not much. We the last game I actually played was um, the Pathfinder Second Edition, and so which was um, uh, as grim as everyone's probably thinking um so you mean the experience of playing it was grim not the the setting or the adventure was grim no uh it was <laughs> definitely not my bag luckily the folks i play with are really great and so they make the game really lively but it's like playing algebra the game and so oh my god you know and so and they weren't used to my sensibilities they kind of invited me to play and these were like 
<laughs> and they're like, oh shit, <laughs> like we didn't expect this. I was like theatrical and like, they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm playing the game, right? Am I doing this wrong? So. Oh, I thought I thought we were role playing. Yeah. Guys. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, sorry. Yeah, that's how kind of kind of it was. But they got really into it and they really dug it. And so I kind of um, and I derailed the whole damn thing. The poor guy was, running a, you know, a pre-made game. And so, but he's like, uh, "That's not. What am I doing? What's happening? Why are, you, why are you doing it like this, Matt?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, I just gonna, you know, be super weird." Dude, I ran one of those adventure path things, and those things are fun as fuck when they get a little weird. Oh, when yeah. People start start going outside the bounds of them. Mm-hmm. That's when the game gets really fun. What, what I love about the Pathfinder adventure paths, like, uh, like product, is that it gives you this, like, real cool linear storyline, and you're kind of, you can kind of sit there as the GM. You know where the beginning is. You know where the end is going to be. And then you can flesh everything out. And then you, because you know all this shit that's going to happen, you can fucking roll with it. You can yeah. roll with it all day long. Yeah, this cat, he's, um, he was a real good um, GM. He was great at it. And so, and he's like uh, very well versed in the rules. So it wasn't as brutal as some games can be where you're just like, oh my God, let's stop and check. Like, how the hell am I going to walk five feet or something? You know, or like, we need, to, <laughs> you know, where you got to do like, all right, we're going to do like a sidestep. And you're like, oh shit, here we go. 30 minutes later. He was on top of it. So he was good, and which was nice because I'm used to way, way different type of gaming, especially in the indie OSR realm where it's, uh, you know, a little bit looser. And the numbers, well, a lot of them, you know, you're still playing a tabletop role-playing game, so the numbers are still there, but they're very uh, um, secondary sometimes. Even if they're numbers, they're just secondary. I feel like that game, it's always way forward, but it's... Um, I haven't been playing too many other games, to be honest. I've been buying a lot of games, selling a lot of games, but um. <laughs> well, okay, okay, okay. What's the fucking hot shit that is on your radar right now? What's the what's the thing, cool hunter style that that is like blowing your mind and that uh, maybe I haven't seen yet? Pitch oh, it to me. Man, it's real tough. We we've, we've been getting in a whole bunch of new product in the store and. Sometimes I feel like I'm real bad at this job because I just don't order enough. And then I'm like, all right, well, next order, I'm doing 10% more. And then it's gone. And then I get like a million angry emails. They're like, what happened? Why is it like this? You're doing this on purpose. I'm like, I'm not. I just, <laughs> I'm trying, guys. So it's <laughs> so fucking funny because sometimes I'll get the Exalted Funeral uh, newsletter, right? And oh, I'll be man. Like, uh, hey. Look, there's some weird title that kind of piques me a little bit, and I'll like click on it, and it'll be like sold out. Sold out. I know. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm not sweating you. This <laughs> is an amazing thing, and what you're doing is a value to our industry because. Um, well, that's nice. Thank you. I, no, I mean seriously. When I first got into the OSR, I didn't know what the fuck to do. I didn't even understand like what. There's already so many like issues of what is the OSR, who's in the OSR, <laughs> yeah. is it a problematic place, should the OSR be destroyed, all this shit. And then, and then, aside from that, then you have to try and find products. And you're like, I mean, I spent so much time looking on eBay for a copy of Labyrinth Lord. Oh, brutal. I realized I could just go on mm. Hulu and just hit print <laughs> and it would just come to my house. Because no one tells you that. There's, yeah. no, there's no one that says, oh, no, go buy fucking Labyrinth Lord on Lulu. But there's all this shit, and to have it in one place where you can, it's like it's like the old record store experience. Yeah. Where, where, where as kids we would be like, oh, it's you know I'm into fucking white zombie, and then you're at the record store and you see that there's this other thing that's kind of like white zombie. So you yeah. Get home, and that's how you actually develop a musical taste. You know. Yeah, it was um you know the whole genesis of everything that's going on with uh, Exalted Funeral was kind of. I would like to say that I had the foresight that that's what I was doing, but it's not. Um, (laughs) I was mostly like, God, man, this sucks. Shipping sucks. Everything is, you know, I would be buying so many games and all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, I spent $150 in shipping last month. Like, and so I just had the kind of idea that I was like, why can't I get this all in one spot? Why aren't all the cool things in one spot? And I love supporting all the individuals and everything, you know, but you know, like you said, the whole like hip record deal is kind of a, a very good analogy because, um, you know, you want to go get it. But if you can't get it, then you never know. You know, there's a lot of great games that had no exposure. A big one was um, Tuesday Night Games Mothership. And that game blew up. That blew up big. 
and unreal yeah. how big that game got right now. Oh I yeah. I mean, it's it's so crazy to me how like uh they kill league it. is like releasing Alien mm-hmm. and you're like, uh, oh well I mean, but people already kinda own this game. They already own the mothership game. Mm-hmm. Why do you need to even buy the alien game? Yeah. And uh I, I swear to God, I think the first place I ever saw Mothership was on your site. It was. Well I'm actually uh you know, we do like the um the most I want to say out of mothership. And I kind of came to Sean and some of the Tuesday night cats um, real early on when they printed it. Cause I, I'm going to sound real cool here. Um, but I read it and I, I fucking loved it. Like I read the game and I was like, I, I said, I was like, this is going to win it any, you know, I was like, this is so good. And I looked up who all who worked on it and everything. And this is back when G plus was still alive. Um, it was in the throes near the end. And so, I got in contact with Sean and I talked to him on Hangouts for a second and I was like, "Hey man, you know, I'm can I get wholesale on this?" And he was like, hey, "Absolutely." And you know, I got like 10 copies and this is back when I, my budget was like 50 bucks, <laughs> you know, for stuff. And <laughs> so I was like, you know, yeah, get, hook, hook me up with those and I did and they sold out instantly. And then all of a sudden, you know, they got a lot more press and they did a great job with their Kickstarters and their games and names and people who they had on the projects. And it just got huge, but you know, and I was the place that had it. And so all of a sudden it's like, well, he's got it. And I'm like, I need a truck. So I'm just like, send like, send what you got. So, you know, now we're doing like pounds of, you know, Tuesday night games and they're, he's, they're killing it. Their next game is great. It just ended on Kickstarter. If you missed it, a uh, bummer for you, but I'll definitely be getting tons of it. It's so good. So I love, Nice, nice. That dude, that's fucking awesome. That is fucking awesome. And I really genuinely feel like, I mean, I'll be interested in seeing what happens in the like alien RPG existing in the same market as Mothership, because I feel like they're both kind of working on the same kind of cultural fiber. Yeah, those sort of things are sometimes difficult. um, And here, here comes like the, to try to navigate my response nicely, you know, like, um, mm. um, I of course am a huge fan of mothership as I just espoused. And, um, when that came out, there was a little in their discord, there was a little bit of a discord. <laughs> they had a little bit of a back and forth about like what was happening with, um, free league and how, you know, how that pertained to mothership and what happened exactly. Cause some of the rules are pretty similar, but that, that stuff always happens, you know? And, um, some of the events with that were kind of unfortunate, but I mean, the, the simple matter is, is that Mothership's still a lot better game to play. You know, they have Free League has the production value. Um, I didn't I, I I purchased it. I have I purchased a special edition of um, the Alien game and I was a little less impressed than other Free League products. But it doesn't mean that it can't exist in the same space. You know, sometimes Mothership is like for a much much more broader game alien. You're still playing in the alien universe while mothership is expandable to so much more. And the great thing about it is, is that like that sort of game and what's great about a lot of OSR games is that, you know, the rule set and everything is much, uh, is really great for expansion. You know, you could put that in any setting like, and I recommend that on any of the Tuesday night game stuff is, you know, you could, if you want to hack some of that up and make your own stuff for it, it's cool. You know, you could put that in any setting. They really streamlined that. The the editing's some of the best I've seen on the game. You know, the writing, some of the best I've seen on the game. Um, uh, the layout is uh, second to none. It's just like... Yeah. And then what's funny is that you look at that and you go like, uh, um, oh, well, this uh, it says it's an ash can. So, mm-hmm. no, this is an ash can. And I'm like, <laughs> shit, what's the real one going to look like? And I was actually yeah. talking to uh, another... Uh, Another uh, game developer friend of mine, uh, who shall remain nameless, <laughs> and, uh, and and I was like, "Well, I mean, look at Mothership. That's an ash can." And they said, uh, "They said, uh, well, I mean, it's an ash can, <laughs> yeah, but it's done." They go, "It's done. That's the what. That's the finished game." So, I mean, is it? I mean, are they no. They'll be, um, be Sean and Co are going to do a collected edition at some point. Um, a little bit further down the road, um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I got to do. Sean is like a polymath out there. Um, and it sounds like I have a big man crush on Sean and I do. Um, he, Sick. Uh, love it. Yeah. He's a great dude. And, um, we got to talking just the other day cause we have a sort of similar background and, um, we were supposed to talk about a little bit of, you know, the game. And then all of a sudden it's just like turned into a, 
nearly two hour conversation about movies and, you know, BS and like, <laughs> our, our lives. We're like, well, you know, he's a, he's a great, great guy. And no, they're not finished whatsoever. I mean, these sort of things always go through tweaks. And so, especially in the OSR world, because you can release these games into the wild now um, as print, you know, pay what you want. Uh, they have like an itch, you know, you can go on these sites and do, um, you know, where people pay for the rules and test them and, if you see in their channels and their social media and discord, you know, there's people playing the games and come up with things and they kind of like, um, it's a very, very organic thing that's happening. So there'll be, there'll be like a collected finalized edition, more archival. I've actually talked to him about that before myself. Cause I was like, I was one of those people that was like, Hey, when are we going to get a you know, a real nice book, <laughs> let's get a real nice book. Yeah. So. Like a full, full, like kind of hardback, mm -hmm. you know, um, with some, with some pages. I mean, about this came from my, my love of the, uh, um, what's it called? The layout of that book, yeah. which is just so fucking on fleek. I mean, like, am I allowed to say that? You are. Uh, it's, it's, it's just amazing. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. It's just, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful artifact. And on some level when you're, um, when you're in this this space where there's like so many fucking role playing games and you you got a billion of them and all this shit, like uh, you want to look at one that's really beautiful, you know, yeah. um, something that, that inspires you and makes you kind of want to pick it up and manipulate it and work with it. Um, I feel like uh, never going home from wedding games is like that. Mm -hmm. Like uh, the art in there is just like the art's so good. Yeah, and, another uh, level. It's it's. Right, right. And it's not like it's not what you'd call like super detailed, super finished. It almost kind of occupies that sort of OSR kind of feel where you're like it shows you just enough that you're like that you know the world that you're dealing with and you can extrapolate on it. Yeah. And you can feel your imagination running wild, but it doesn't start constraining you. You're like, "Oh, how many yep. how many buttons are on the pin pad?" Well, you know, sometimes you can, that's a good thing to bring up in some of this is that, you know, there's always been sort of the roadblock to some people with like, what is the art in some of these games, you know, and I think that, you know, it's a lot like storytelling. Sometimes like what's left out is, you know, where you get the best ideas or where people get the best idea of it, you know? Yeah. It's not like, when, Totes. you know, you'll be reading like Lord of the Rings and it's not like everything's completely known to you, you know, and same with the, you know some of these games, they leave some of the art a little more skeletal, a little bit more abstract, you know, beautiful nonetheless, you know, and not to knock like major game companies, like art styles and such, you know, like some of those, those big companies, you know, they got a whole different demographic and everything they're kind of aiming for. But, you know, these are a, a little bit more intimate. Sometimes the authors and artists are real linked. So they're like, you know, they're friends or they're, you know, sometimes it's just them themselves. And so, there's a real big connection to some of that. And, you know, I think that really comes out a lot of times. So one of the things that I always found so inspiring about like the world of darkness era of games was that the, that the art in those books was art and it was by artists, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And like a lot of those guys, you kind of, you can find a bunch of them on, uh, you know, Facebook and Instagram now yeah. and they're still out there doing art, mm -hmm. doing art. They're not, they weren't like, um, essentially auditioning in the role-playing space to move on to the video game space. Right. And I feel like, especially with kind of like this hub of, um, I mean, okay, look, RPGs have always been training grounds for electronic games. Mm -hmm. But the way that like that culture is kind of consolidating up in Washington where it's like, oh, you got the big ass game companies right here. And then, oh, look who's right next door. The big ass video game companies, you know, and I think that they're actually tailoring their product to be like a feeder pipeline. And uh, nah, yeah, I don't know if I love it. You know? Yeah. I, know if I love it. That's a that's a whole nother conversation there. And <laughs> that's a. Yeah, that's well, a whole big yeah, thing. Sure, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Hey, what can I say? We're just two guys throwing out our, our yeah. opinions, and it's, I agree it's with just, you. It's that's just a, my opinion. It's just my opinion. Yeah, that's a that's a wild thing, though. Like, um, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of people that have come from this same realm that I'm operating in, and they've entered into the big leagues and fumbled or made huge huge mistakes, and uh, you know, or turned out to be not so great of folks. And so there's a, you, I don't know, there's um. There's a weird um, 
connect disconnect with you know major gaming and then indie gaming like you said earlier you you mentioned all the the brouhaha of the osr world which is you know mm. that's a you know that's a that's a big deal too and you know it's kind of nice that it's kind of calmed down now but it's uh you know now that we can get kind of back to you know creating good things with good people that's a that's great you know but you know i mean Sure, I mean that's that's preferable. That's always <laughs> yeah. That's what that's what you want to do. You know, you want to be able to release your game drama free. You know, yeah. You would think. I mean, you would you would fucking think. But yeah. I mean, some people can't help themselves. Apparently. <laughs> anyway, ra- I could just go down that rabbit hole mm-hmm. all day and just turn this into like, and another thing. Yeah. And um. Fuck that guy. No. Okay, so what year are you on with Exalted Funeral? Man? What year is this? How many have you been doing? Um, you know, I've been doing this just a little over a year now. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. So what? Is, how does that look? And what is next? What are you looking at? Like what? What? Like I mean, there's got to be like a crazy curve on that graph. Are you breaking that shit down and like, <laughs> like accounting style and looking at it? Yeah. Luckily, I have a very. Um very, very intelligent wife who knows how to do all the hard things that suck where I just get to be like <laughs> jovial face and talk about shit. Um, and she's like, yeah, okay. But the numbers, you know, <laughs> but uh, we had like a whole five-year plan and we kind of like um, squashed that super quick, which was um, very, very humbling. You know, like I didn't expect the turnout because, you know, I mean, and you'd never set out to have your business fail you know, but you want to temper expectations, you know, the reality. Of course. You know, I'm like, Ugh, this might be a huge, tiny mistake, you know, but because uh, <laughs> when I sure. started doing this, I was like, man, I don't know if everybody's going to dig this, but I'm going to do it because I think it's cool. But, um, you know, so we had our five year plan and then, you know, man, like eight months in, it was like completely squashed. So, wow. Yeah. Are you doing a new one? Sure. We have a whole new, um, and I kind of made a little tighter one, our business model. We're going to be, we're going to be growing quite a bit. We have so much in the pipeline right now. I mean, not just from like, you know, books purchasing, but we're going to be having, you know, international distro. That's another thing that's going to be a big deal. Um, it's all, we'll have, uh, the Canadian portion set out first. We're going to have a real kind gentleman named Derek, um, doing it for us up there and so pretty soon in canada you're going to be able to get your books a little bit quicker safer cheaper and um it'll still be the same sort of inventory and what we do all that from there and well we can work out the kinks through canada since that's a you know our neighbors there um make it a little easier we'll have european uk oceana then hopefully down the line some asian um territories on lockdown so this way, because we do Kickstarter fulfillments, um, and so hopefully, you know, that'll make it a lot more uh, enticing for indie people to choose us for their f- fulfillment. And then just our own stuff, too, you know, help out with the, the shipping costs and um, the timeliness of it. Kind of our Achilles heel has been time, always, you know. I've been late on everything. <laughs> that's That's like publishing. That's like, you know, indie publishing. I mean, um... I think I got kind of like snaked on that like early on when I was like first kind of in, you know, exploring the scene as something more than just like a mindless consumer as I was just kind of like, why is this book late? Yeah. <laughs> I was all upset, you know? But I mean, the thing is, is like, I mean, show me the thing that's on time. I mean, God, those are, I feel like we should exalt the things that are on time, but not cast blame on the things that aren't. Yeah. Because... Yeah. It's fucking hard, man. It's oh. hard to get all these wheels clicking at the same time. Yeah. Well, we had um with us, um, we, we have hysterically enough not had a book come out on time. Tears. Um <laughs> <a little> tear <laughs> down my cheek. That's my New Year's resolution is no more late books. Um and you know, it's uh, the community has been super gracious. I mean, you know, you fork over, you know, sixty bucks to a dude out in Idaho hoping he's sending you out a package of goodies, you know, like I get it. And so that gives me a little anxiety where I'm like, but the people, (laughs) you know, so, um, but you know, there's always things that come up, you know, and and you got to kind of got to put malleable timelines on stuff, 
you know, we'll have a little bit different structure next year for our pre-orders to ensure a better window for customers. So the customer experience is a little better. We're also not um, at the point where we're like, well, you know, the next book might sink us, <laughs> you know? So there's like, you know, we're not at that point anymore. You know, um, we never really were at that point. Actually, that's just my own fears where I was like, but it could be bad. Like I was worried about black Friday being bad. And my wife's like, you're so dumb. Like, why are you like this? And then it was huge. So, 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 yeah. I mean, like, talk about that a little bit. This kind of, like, journey of, like, being, like, this uh, businessman guy. This, like, entrepreneur. Uh, I mean, what's gone into that? Like, what was, you know... I mean, if you don't mind talking about oh, this kind of Oh, absolutely. Thing, like, I'll uh, talk about it. Um, you know I mean? So, we... If you just want to know about the from A to Z, I started out um, in a little bit of a panic because I have two kids and... I was like, man, I am not saving money for these dudes college or even if they need like a shitty Hyundai in high school. I'm not going to be able to afford that Hyundai. How am I going to get a Hyundai? You know, <laughs> I, where's that Scion TC? Um, so, you know, I was like, I got a little panic because, you know, you get in Papa Bear mode and you're like, I must provide. And so I exalted funeral. A lot of it came out of like, I was like, well, I can make a little bit of money on the side doing this. You know, I can do a little little bit of hustle and, you know, package orders on the weekends. Cause that's how we were operating at first. We were only shipping stuff out on Fridays, you know? Um, and I'll just put a little bit of money into it. And I was like, well, I ain't got no money obviously. Cause I can't save anything as you just heard from that previous part of the story. So I had a bunch of moldy, oldie magic, the gathering cards, like all dudes our age have, you know, a little magic, the gathering stash. And I sold the collection for, um, two grand and I used, one grand to pay off a little credit card debt. And then the other grand is what I put into the business. I started Exalted Funeral with a grand. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So, One grand seed money. Yeah, that's what I did. And so, you know, I bought the domain and then I filled out all the paperwork, did all the tax stuff that you got to do, which really sucks. But, you know, you just kind of like muscle through it. I had to do a lot of Googling to figure it out because no, nobody really could guide me on it. They're like, because each state's different. So if I asked somebody, they're like, well, check your state listings. And I'm like, ah, Christ, why is it like this? You know, but luckily it was pretty easy with us. And, you know, we put our name on the paper and then about 500 bucks later, I was like, well, we got half of that. So I bought what product I could with 500 bucks and then, then did the old internet razzle dazzle where, you know, it's like, hello, my baby. Hello, my mama. <laughs> I remember the internet razzle dazzle. <laughs> yeah. Yours was pretty good. Yours was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, thank you. you. you, uh, you <laughs> yeah, no, no, because you did that thing, like you did the old uh, "What is the Matrix" uh, <laughs> uh, advertising thing, where you were like, "Coming soon, Exalted Funeral." And I just remember, like, uh, all the dudes who I would hang out with online, we were all like, "What's Exalted Funeral?" Yeah, what is this? It sounds like something we should know about. Yeah. Why don't we know about this it? This seems cool, <laughs> but you know, and yeah, <laughs> you know, and I paid um, Spaghetti Quester to do art, and he really killed our logo and everything, and. You know, and so the site was super janky because, like, everything, I did it all. So it was, you know, made like crap by a guy who doesn't know how to make websites. But, you know, it worked-ish. But, you know, and then we found the demand to be just quite a bit bigger. And so after that, you know, we kind of started gaining a lot of steam. And then we started really, um, you know, just selling quite a bit, doing quite a bit. And then, you know, Luca approached us, the gentleman who did Ultraviolet Grasslands, our you know, our first, yeah. first kind of real success story. And that helped. was he, was he a customer first or no, I mean, was he buying books? He was just like, who the hell are you guys? He did the same thing that a lot of people did. Like, what, who are you guys? And he, um, in, he lives in uh, South Korea, so he couldn't do a Kickstarter himself. And there was just a lot of things he just couldn't do. Just, you know, the customer service portion, you know, he couldn't be chatting with people or kind of like promoting it, um, during, regular North American business hours, sort of. And, you know, and we kind of just, um, I did that thing I always do where I just kind of like squeeze myself into people's conversations. I'm like, hey, be my friend, you know, where I just like, let's talk about stuff. And so, you know, and I kind of did that just with the whole community, the poor, poor community, just watch me butt right in. And then, um, <laughs> and then I just kind of, uh, you know, did a, a whole bunch of, you know, just, Tried to be real, you know, on a lot of that stuff. You know, when I had a failure, I made sure to say sorry and be genuine about it. You know, I think that's um, 
I think this problem that a lot of people have sometimes with this is that they don't take like, they are either too business or they're too casual. They're not like right in between. And, you know, you get to know all these people and you really get to know them. Like I know customers personally now, you know, and in the end I've hired some customers to be, you know, to do freelance work for us, you know? So, and you just get to know people. And so you just got to be real. Like I think of looking like a corporate shill was not like the right choice, but then again, a lot of people didn't really take the thing into the level of um, professionalism, you know? And so I had a bunch of years in retail, so did my wife. And so, you know, we really wanted to make sure that people got their books on time. We shipped them out nice. They got there, they arrived looking good. You know, people collect this shit just like anything. And so, you know, that was kind of like one of our first tenants. But then, you know, after the sort of marketing, people just talked about it, you know, and that was really gracious. So people just started digging it. I don't know. That was the crazy thing is, you know, people just really, really responded to it and the whole thing. And then once we started publishing, they really responded to what we were doing. And so then other people wanted to, you know, sort of align because we do the job that not a lot of other people want to do, which is, you know, ship and publish and do all the the boring shit, you know. It's the hard work. That's the shit that's like fucking hard, man. Some, that's like the shit no one wants to think about. Like, oh, $7 for shipping? What the fuck? Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, you know, like I, I get it. Like m- making a book is super difficult. You know, doing the art can be difficult. Being an artist is difficult. I've been that way. But what I earned, learned quite a bit early on in my uh, fledgling film career is that everybody wanted to be a director. You know, everybody wanted to be. Mm. So not everybody wanted to be the dude who carries the battery cases around 18 hours a day sweating to death, you know. And there's always a need for that person to do that sort of thing. And, you know, on the level that we did it, I think just really responded with people, you know, and it's great because there's a lot of books and things out there that, you know, we've been able to give a home and place for, and even some we've been able to bring to life that maybe wouldn't see the, you know, light of day, wouldn't see print or known. And I kind of want people to be able to make shit and put their shit out there, you know, give everybody a fair chance to have a, their chance in the limelight, you know? So, um, let us do the real boring stuff, you know, the, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> let me do your shit work. <laughs> let us do it. <laughs> so did that answer your question? That was a real long tirade there where I was just like, no, oh, I love oh. that. I love that. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> that was like, that was, uh, that was, that was the kind of like the behind the, behind the scenes kind of thing that like, I mean, like I've wanted to know that for a while. Like, like what was your seed money? Like, you know, what was your plan? Like, did you guys, were you guys like shipping out of the, the garage well, on weekends or what? Well, we still are. Um, <laughs> nice, nice. We do have another space, like an off, uh, offsite space, but we usually package everything at the home because it's just easier because, you know, the children are contained, you know, they're not like mm-hmm. wild animals out there with like, you know, the warehouse space destroying everything. But, um, well, I mean, it's a family business, dude. That's <laughs> fucking great because I mean, that's the kind of thing that's just getting so much harder in America now. And, uh, right. it's a, you know, to see you like pull it off and to have it really come together is fucking rad. Well, thank you. you. Know? Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I couldn't have done it without the crowd, you know, like the response and not only that, but just people being super gracious and super nice about things where I'm like, Oh man, your book is four months late. Sorry. <laughs> you know, like, um, <laughs> and then being like chill about it for the most part has been again, super humbling because I'm like, you know, I'm like refresh, 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 checking, tracking, refresh, refresh, refresh. And they're like, chill. yeah, all right. it's an RPG book. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I tend to do that too. I kind of like obsess over the thing that's like coming in the mail, and I'll like sit there watching the little the little UPS <laughs> yeah. thing dude, get more dude, and more green, dude. and then and then like, it gets there, and I'm like neat, and I open it up, and then I'm like cool, flip through it, put it on the shelf, and then go to the computer, look at the next one. Yeah, you know? right. What's the oh well, this other one that I don't have, the one that I have is now huh, it's here. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, and again, the big thanks to my wife. She's um. She, we, we had to really change our lives to accommodate Exalted Funeral. There was a, there was a moment where we were like, uh, do we keep going forward? Do we keep going up with it? You know, or do we need to scale back or, you know, are we going too slow? And I'm like, I'm like gas pedal. I'm like, let's burn this bitch down, you know, fire it up. You know, man, (laughs) I, I, I respect that because it's like, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, fucking, uh, 
it's better to burn out than fade away, right? Yeah, man. Cyberpunk. Yeah, dude. Like, you know, I, you know, you get one shot at some of these things and, you know, and there's, dude, there's people relying on you too, you know, like, so I'm like, um, I just dove right in, you know, I quit my, um, quit my regular job to make sure to handle everything because eventually it just got to be real, um, real big. Like you said, like all of a sudden, you know, when, when I tell people we've only been open a little over a year, they're like, shut the fuck up. Like no one. Yeah, that's unreal, dude. It's unreal. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you got to make sure that you take care of those people. And I felt like a responsibility to them, the crowd, the scene itself. That might sound a little arrogant, but I mean, there's just a ton of people relying on me. And- How's that arrogant to be like, <laughs> oh, I have an obligation to like put good things into the thing that I guess, I love. yeah. You know, and so my wife, you know, super graciously was uh, able to she switched her job to be able to work part time at another job and do this. And next year, she there's a good chance that she'll be doing it full time by the end of next. So if everything goes according to that, that plan we have, because just these next four months alone, I think we have, you know, four new books coming out. We have our Kickstarters being fulfilled. You know, we have all this stuff coming in, you know, a ton of international things coming out uh, that are getting dropped at our doorstep. Um, and, you know, we're just going to, again, crush them. So do it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Drive your enemies before you and all that yeah, shit. Yeah, man. Lamentation. Fuck. Is yeah. So. So here. OK, look, here's here's the deal. I fucking don't believe in New Year's resolutions. We're <laughs> recording this on right immediately subsequent to the New Year mm-hmm. holiday uh, cultists. Um, I don't believe in that shit. I think it's kind of silly. I think times are an arbitrary construct and blah, blah, blah. Mm, it's I a flat circle and stuff. Yeah, if you're going to do something, you're going to do it. And there's no right. reason why you're more likely to do it because you said it on the first day of the year, blah, blah, blah. That having been said, I'm a big fan of goals. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of setting goals and setting challenges for yourself. And I renew my set of goals and my set of challenges like on a pretty regular basis throughout the year. Um, I think feel like the 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 new year because everybody else is kind of doing it at that point is a fine time to reevaluate those goals. Uh, what are some of your goals? Not just for the business, because I mean, I know we spend a lot of time talking about the business, but I want to know kind of more about like your gaming life and about your creative life. What are some of your gaming goals this year what are some of your creative goals what is it you want to do well here we go shameless plug time beep, 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 beep. oh here we go guys <laughs> yeah. buckle in burm, 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 burm. um <laughs> no we'll be doing um well i'll be doing one of my um concepts is being written by and fleshed out by don stroud um who has worked with uh tuesday night games before on um a bunch of their products and also he does Lesser Key, which you can see in the store. He's a stellar, stellar writer. And I wrote some pretty uh, esoteric, weird mumbo-jumbo that he's turned into a proper game. It was my house game. And I find my house games are sort of private, if that's weird. Not because they're like... Um, not that I don't want them out in the open or there's like some sort of horrifying secret behind it. It's just more like that's a personal experience I had with like a, a very, very core set of people. And so instead, I've taken like the ideas and I've kind of let some other people flesh them out. And so I'll be doing the the fluff fluff writing for uh, uh, the games coming out with that. And he's going to be doing um, the dungeon and mechanics and a lot of the really good stuff. He's added a ton of great stuff to it. And it's got a lot of really, really good art that's coming out for it. So um, and you should see that here. Not too long. The first uh, issue is going to be out and um That'll be my goal is to finally have that see light of day because that's a long gestating project. Um, after that, I'm hoping to be able to write um, one of my other games that I'll fully write myself that's been gestating for a long time. And other than gaming, gaming-wise and non-exalted you know, exalted funeral business, um, really get back on track with a lot of like just personal aspects um, after I hopped on the EF train. Um, doing uh, a lot more uh, exercising, uh, healthy eating, you know, a lot of that generic stuff because I am getting old and all of a sudden I'm like, my back hurts. How's this happen? Oh, yeah, because you're five pounds overweight, you piece of garbage. And I'm like, what? Wow, you're you're only five pounds overweight? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Are you, are because you, you look like you're in great shape from where I can see you. But I That's mean, the like, angle. Fu- That's the angle of the lighting. <laughs> Thank you, though. That's the angle of uh, 
I think it's really important what you're bringing up, and it's a it's a really heavily overlooked aspect of our community that we live in, where it's there's just there's like some really endemic self abuse, and this is not me mm-hmm. trying to go on some kind of like tirade against people and their habits and stuff. I I would like to see us all become like a little bit more self aware because I'm prone to those kind of moments too where it's like I'm just putting away the fucking tendies and shit and it's like we you know this shit's killing us this shit's fucking killing us man mm-hmm. like uh, I I I would love to see what some stats are on the role playing community and like what the you know uh, average um like what being a gamer does to your lifespan. You know? Yeah, I mean, we gotta take care of ourselves. So that shit's not generic at all, dude. Fucking yeah, you know, that's a. I think that's kind of an American thing too. You know, like Americans are, you know, we have terrible health habits. Um, you know, it doesn't appear that way, but I think normal people, it's a very, very difficult thing to eat healthy. Still, you know, it's very difficult for people to find uh, healthy food. You know, it's not like you can go and get cheap uh, health food. You know, is I live in a super rural community, and so. Finding, you know, this is shocking, but finding like fresh fruits and vegetables is not easy. You know, just things that are healthy for you. You know, you're still like, oh, here's this can of SpaghettiOs I guess I'm going to (laughs) eat. And then all of a sudden you're like, my heart, it hurts. (laughs) Uh, So I listen to all these podcasts about like uh, miniature wargaming, right? Mm -hmm. And usually it's ones for specific games, but I'm not going to get into that. Anyway, so I listen to a number of podcasts from England and a number of them from. Australia. And sometimes those guys will get together the funds and they'll travel over here for one of the big tournaments, mm-hmm. right? Like Adepticon yeah. usually. And uh when they do the post Adepticon episode, they'll talk about the gaming that they did for like ten minutes. They'll be like, Oh yeah, Adepticon was great, played a bunch of games, won a bunch of games, fucking go to Adepticon, so great. Uh if you ever get a chance, you gotta go. And then they'll spend the next thirty minutes talking about the food. Mm-hmm. They'll be like they'll the the because people in other countries, even countries that like we're talking about like the UK and Australia. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are like people, they're our cousins. Like, we're not too far yeah. from them in the family tree. And the way that they view our food habits in this country, they just like see it as being like patently obscene. Yeah. You know? Like like we live in the middle of some kind of carnival where we just sit around eating cotton candy all day. <laughs> but, yeah. but we don't fucking know that because no. we're in the carnival. Yeah, because you know we're in that, we live that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's just our life. Like, what? You you, what, you don't eat, like, six types of ham for breakfast? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, and, you know, I I totally agree with you when you talk about, like, if you're going to do something, do something. The, the hard part about, like, um, a lot of things and for a lot of people is there's your life is like a mental roadblock. And without sounding too much like a um, like your powerlifting coach or CrossFit trainer or some shit right here, you know, like – most of the time it's people set up their own roadblocks. You know, they don't have enough time. They don't have enough money or all these things. And that's very well and true. There's a, you know, the, the, the state of how we operate for the middle class here in the U S is terrible, but you know, there's always the first foot forward. You know, I made a a decision to, you know, eat healthier, live healthier. Um, not that long ago, actually, because I was, you know, I was getting a bit beefy myself. Like I said, I was like, why does my knee hurt? You know? And the doctors were like, you're fat. And I'm like, me, (laughs) but I look good in like my picture from 2012. You know, I'm like my Facebook photos, that old photo. I look nice, you know? Great, man. Yeah. But you know, your knee still hurts. And I'm like, they're like, you just got to lose weight. You know, you're, you're 15, 20 pounds overweight. And I'm like, what? You know, your heart hurts. Why does it hurt? You know, but you just got to make that change. And, you know, it's, it's hard because, you know, there's um, this weird echo chamber we live in, you know, where we see everybody online and what they're doing. And we think those things are reality and we think those things are real and when they're not, you know, your reality is your reality. And so, you know, it's what you craft. And sometimes, you know, people need help getting to those points, but there's still always the first foot forward. You know, it's kind of like what I did. I did the same thing with the business. I was like, man, I'm changing my life. This sucks. You know, and I get tired of like using memes as like my antidote for life. You know, I'm like, oh, these memes are no good anymore. I guess I'm going to have to start exercising to make myself better. You know, 
It does. It makes a big change. Hey, hang on now, dude. Memes, yeah. bro. Back up. Bro, Don't take my memes from me. Are you stepping up off the meme game? Because I know Exalted Funeral's slinging the memes. Yeah, you gotta, you, know, you got the drugs out there, too. You know, you gotta give the kids. <laughs> but, you know, just, uh, you know, my resolutions are to um, keep improving. You know, this is a, we live in a very, very weird time where we live in like a digital dark age where every single person can have like the library of Alexandria at their fingertips but you know we're like look at this cat eating toast you know and so (laughs) you know and they're worried about all these other things and so there's so much information out there that you can get now on how to like improve yourself even from you know your own bedroom and so i really think that uh, you know just to make yourself a better human you know whether it's by reading writing culture arts you know history exercise eating healthy i think you know, human improvement is something that we should all strive for. You know, you should want to be the person to land on the moon. You should be the one, the person, be the person to terraform Mars. You know, you should want to be that person, you know, excel at um, who you are. Cause you know, again, without sounding too much like a life coach, you know, every time I talk to somebody, they always have, you know, I get a lot of like, well, how can I do this? You know, how can I do any of this stuff? And I was like, you know, you, you have the power, you know, that he man, you know, <laughs> you're you're he-man bro just uh you know you got the power you can change this you know and you just got to start doing a little bit more discipline that foot forward you know that's the thing you know the book doesn't read itself you know the exercise your those biceps don't grow themselves you know so well, what about um the the because it's interesting some of the stuff that you're touching on that you're discussing this um kind of like manifesting a reality around yourself like how does uh the because an exalted funeral has a it has a whole range of like esoteric mm. esoteric yeah. esoteric huh, yeah you can uh you can acquire how how does how does that feed into your gaming how does that feed into your your uh, passion for like working out. And how does it f- feed into your worldview? I think all that stuff. Kick to us, kick, kick, kick to us some fucking esoteric shit, man. Yeah, that's uh, that's funny because I was like, when is that question coming up? Because that's the one I get a lot where they're like, gaming, gaming, gaming. Ah, oh, but the weird, me, man. Yeah. but they're like, where's cliche. the weird stuff? Let's tell me about the weird stuff, you know. And so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of a, you know, I have a lot of esoteric occult books on there and a culture, and some of them are hardcore, you know. Some of them are a little bit easier to read, um, but. You know, it's like, it's the same thing. I feel like, you know, you, these books are as important as picking up Play-Doh, you know? Like, you need to, I feel like that's something you should do. You should pick up, you know, something more philosophical. You should expand your brain, you know? Um, a lot of my interest in the occult comes from my gaming life, um, you know? And I know that's going to, here comes satanic panic again, but... Uh, oh, no! <laughs> yeah. The principal was right! <laughs> yeah, he was ah! right! That you know that devil music. Oh, no, the devil music does it. The teeth. sisters were right. Yeah, a lot of that comes from that, you know, and also from you know, um, my interest in history and philosophy and all those things sort of tie into that a culture and a culture is a whole another crazy avenue um, that you can go down. But there's all these great publishers out there, stuff that we carry and stuff that we don't, you know, as well because some of them are very exclusive, but. Um, which is kind of a bummer. I wish they're a bit bigger for bigger audiences, but um, some of my favorites in there are, is the stuff by Craig Williams. Um, he's, he's really big on, uh, how do I put this? He's, he's a normal dude. You can find him on Facebook and message him and talk to him about anything. He'll tell you everything, you know, and he's a, he's a doctor. This dude is incredible, you know, and part of the reason I started my, um, uh, manifest my own reality is because uh, of some of his writings, you know, and some of, some of what he does, you know, the, this dude, like he's damn near a professional runner. You know, he does, um, he's very, very healthy, which was something kind of different than I saw in a lot of um, uh, the cult circles. Cause normally that wasn't kind of the stereotype. And so, but he looked like, um, he looked like a guy you could just, you know, talk to you at your whole foods, man. Like he's out there, you know, so he's a, he was a very cool dude. And a lot of that came, came from, you know, reading that material. A lot of it's quite a bit more philosophical than people think, you know, but it's also on the high end, you know, um, uh, magical shit. 
and without speaking for some of the authors on there, you know, it's a whole nother level of things. And so, um, I love having that stuff in the store, but that was one of the things that, um, was tough. That's where I was. Those were some of the books I was really worried about because I actually had some people that wanted to invest in the company and talk to me about, you know, um, helping expand. And they're like, are you going to keep the scary stuff? <laughs> and I'm like, kind of our identity, you know, but I guess I don't know, you know, but I don't know. I love that material too much. And I don't want, I want people to buy that, you know, and I get, I get a weird amount of crossover, you know, cause people are like, what? I was about to ask, is it like the same people or is it like you have two different customer segments that are coming in? Do you have three? I mean, I do. I have three, you know, I have a little bit of everything, you know, um, some of the books we import. So it's makes it cheaper, cheaper. Is that a word? Cheapier. It is now. Yeah. It's a living language. Yeah. my friend. Um, it makes it cheaper for people to purchase here in the States. You know, they don't have to pay for their shipping to come from, you know, overseas. They don't have to worry about that. You know, or the markup on the books. I tend to not mark up our books, which is something that other sellers don't do. Um, so, then you know. So when you say markup, what do you mean? Like, I mean, you still take like you still create a margin for your. For I your do business. well. You know, we buy stuff at wholesale, and then I I sell it at the retail price set. So you know, to, sure, we do the conversion. Some other people mark it up. You know, they'll still mark things up like ten or fifteen percent more. You know than the retail price because it's because they have it and you know there's a little bit of this and that especially in occult books um <laughs> and i could tell it um sometimes when uh, people are um, googling or a book goes out of print because our site will have like you know i'll have like five or ten copies but they'll be gone in like an hour after <laughs> it's uh, sold out everywhere else you know they're like oh shit this guy's got it for regular price you know not eBay. <laughs> like, so that happens i've had that happen a few times where i'm like what the hell oh yeah it just went out of print um so what's the good what's the starter spot what's the starter spot for eso for esoteric reading and you're you already said craig williams like is yeah. there one of his or is there something what's what if, if, if you were like at a party and there was some dude there some person you were all like they were all like, oh, i can't <laughs> want to get into that and you like were like my friend and you just put some put this book in their hand what would it be oh that's so. that's very difficult because some of this stuff comes down to you know it depends on where they're at you know they because it's still religion based so this could be something very personal to them you know so recommending some stuff like that can be difficult um you know or if they're just dabbling you know because some people will read that as like something more philosophical or something just to like expand their own personal so it kind of depends on where they're at individually um you know, and I love talking to people about that stuff, like catering something to them. The unfortunate thing about us is we don't really have a lot of like where to start books. Um, pretty, pretty advanced. I mean, Craig Williams book, Entering the Desert's great to, to pick up. But um, and we do have some stuff that's like. Uh, basics, not the right word, like we do carry um, some stuff that's just more informational, you know, like The Devil's Supper from Shawnee Oates is a great, great um basically college dissertation on the history of the devil, you know, but there's a lot of these, a lot of these other ones are, you know, advanced magical systems that are made by the practitioners or made by the author. And so, you know, that's usually not really a great place to start. Unfortunately, you have to go all the way back to like, you know, uh, some of the basics. So uh, my site's not good for basics really. And a lot of those are really easy to get those are you can get in like barnes and noble or online fairly easy you know but it just kind of depends on what you're into usually i have to go into a much deeper conversation with someone you know about where they're at because like anything else there's a million different variants you know even within the subjects themselves you know those are a ton of different variants and so it can be difficult what what do you what do you think of the the Grant Morrison, uh, mm. uh, Alan Moore beef? I love that. The Grant, yes, this the conversation. Morrison, <laughs> the, Al, the Alan Moore Grant Morrison magical beef slash war. It's, what do you think? It's adorable. Um, it's absolutely what I love about comics, esotericism, everything. Like uh, the fact that they don't get along is hysterical that they're both kind of like the patron <laughs> saints of that is awesome you know and the fact that they just throw shade at each other whenever they can like even in like small snide ways is so funny um i love both authors but i've been in camps where they're like no 
they are wrong this side this side you know or so such and such is better and that sort of uh, conversation i love i love when people are so passionate that they argue about such things you know whether you know like <laughs> and those guys are two prime examples of high high level functioning people that are just so petty to get mad at each other over their funny books it is awesome <laughs> like to be mad about like who's better what's better watchmen or the invisibles <laughs> you know or like who's who's generating it better you know whose chaos magic is more real you know <laughs> I, I i think that's fantastic that's like old school stuff you know that's like old school occultists right there when they used to get it is and, it is you know split off i'm gonna create my own you know i'm gonna create my own cult Fuck you you know that's what it was yeah, exactly. You know, so it's it's great, and I mean, you know, maybe not for them, but um, I think it's great for them. Keeps them in the limelight. Um, but I love both those authors. You know, uh, I'm more partial to Grant Morrison personally. I like a lot. I think his work is better overall. And my friends are gonna shit on me after hearing this. After they hear me say this publicly, but um, you know, I think Watchmen stands as a testament to probably some of the finest storytelling you could ever have of any medium whether it be books comics film news strip you know uh psychic transmissions whatever you're using you get get these things across you know watchman is a is a is a standard definitely in the comic book realm too and kind of untouched but i just think overall grant morrison kept writing better stories while alan moore kind of piddled away and kind of like later on wrote some stuff that wasn't so great but he still writes great stuff too, you know, whenever he does things. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm really not prepared to weigh in on either of them. I kind of lost track of Grant Morrison at a certain point, but like I lost track of Alan Moore before that, so Yeah. Well, even really They get oh, they get out there, man, and that's great, you know. Um I mean, you know, I think I think the greatest superhero story ever written is probably All-Star Superman. I think that's probably the greatest. Oh, All-Star Superman's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great book. I don't think there's anything else that could touch that on, a, you know, on that level. You know, it's basically everything that's wonderful about Superman. And then just comics in general. It, it's almost a, it's a love letter to comics. And then, like I said, but Watchmen Stands is like a whole nother level of storytelling. Even from the small, small cues, you know, like uh, Dave Gibbons' art in that, how he did the panels, you know, like... Everything that goes on with that is, you know, and boy, does that resonate today. That's a, a horrifying thing to say. You know, Watchmen seems to resonate forever. Like, you're able to dissect that thing at every generation. Do you think that we manifested the fucking horror of the world that we live in with uh, postmodern literature? You know, it. Th those are, that's an interesting concept because yes and no. You know, we... Um, I think sometimes these things really um, are a reflection of, you know, the times, you know, and it's hard to say what the author's getting across, especially one like Alan Moore, um, you know, especially what with he what he wants to say or what he thinks it is, you know, because that doesn't mean that's what everybody else takes it as, you know, as you know, once your art's out there in the world, you can't really, you can't really regulate how people receive it, you know, hence why. You know, everybody loves the Watchmen TV show, but I know for a fact Alan Moore absolutely hates that shit, and he doesn't think that shit's how it was going to go at all. But, you know, it's not his anymore, you know. You you created it, and it's it's for the world. So, But I think, you know, you can buckle down and narrow down these things even further. You know, you look at... I look at a lot of things post-9-11, you know, especially in art, the art medium. Uh, art really changed after that, you know. And just recently, it's changing again, mostly on how we consume it. But as far as creation goes, post 9-11, I mean, some of the finest films and novels and things come out of that, came out of this because it's, you know, people trying to reflect on those events and what had occurred and what it meant to them. You know, I mean, Jesus Christ, our Batman movies were a reflection of what happened after 9-11, you know, there's a whole, there's whole college conversations on whether Batman was, you know, um, supposed to be George W. Bush, <laughs> you know, like, so, and we're talking, this is a Batman, a dude dressed in a bat suit. Um, but, you know, these things are, you know, they're important and they're, 
there are allegories, you know, and you can even drill down further into the RPG world, how these things, uh, you know, affect people, you know, their sensibilities went really in this direction, you know, and this sort of how to handle the, this new world we live in after that. And so, um, yeah, I think in part, you know, the, the horror is more our creation. And then all of a sudden our art catches up to that, you know, our art kind of, cause it takes a minute to make. So does the, does the, you know, is the art, the problem or is it the solution you know it's always the solution well i mean we just kind of caught a bug for uh where we just we just we got this uh taste on our tongues uh i don't know what 30 years ago 40 years ago where we just really liked this dark shit we were just got we just really just started sucking the the juice out of that peach and uh when you look at like say you know William Gibson and you see just how prescient like mm-hmm. everything in that is where it's almost like he was writing a guidebook to the horrible future that we now get to live in and you think to yourself at least I do I think to myself like was this future like a dream that we made or did it exist already and there were artists who caught its resonances and tried to warn us about it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's just a little, this is something I think about. Oh, man. I, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't really come up with my... To not be super grim dark, but um, kind of... Lay it on. After, after Reagan, you know, and how, you know, how we consume media after that, you know, what happened with commercialism, you know, basically mid-80s and then everything that followed after that with our um, our politics and how everything is, it's, you know, rose-colored glasses are always on. You know, people look at things in a nostalgic way and like, you know, or a simpler way, but things have always been super complex, you know, especially, but they, they're becoming even more complex. And again, to talk about that echo chamber I mentioned earlier about, you know, that people live in, all of a sudden these echo chambers get louder you know, and these fears grow and anxieties grow. And, um, you know, I think that, yeah, I think a lot of people saw these things as writings on the wall, especially artists, you know, it's their job to kind of take and contextualize what's happening and put this into a way that makes sense. And so unfortunately these, uh, many of these things being grimmer and more, um, dark tend to be a, you know, the basis for reality, but it's also why we get such weird, um, uh, escapism now with reality TV, you know, we don't really have like, uh, so much as happy television. I guess we have Marvel movies and what Disney does, but you know, we don't really get easygoing, happy stories as much, you know, but I think cause people now look at that as like reality TV cause that's what they want to be. You know, that's, they want to be a reality TV star winning the lottery is more attainable than actually making a nice life for people now. And so, you know, or at least that's what they're told and what they, they think. And so, and just coupled with consumerism, you know, and all the past that we've done and what we've done to ourselves with capitalism and all that has really created this, um, like I said, sort of weird echo chamber we, we just dwell in, you know, people. And that's why you see all the time people on Facebook or somewhere else are like, oh, I got to unplug or I'm going to, you know, jump off a goddamn bridge into a train. Hopefully a hit a train hits me because I'll live if I hit the bottom, you know? So, you know, I think, um, and that's because, you know, all of a sudden you keep seeing these things and it's like repeated fear, you know, and, um, you know, and artists pick up on that. They, you know, and they have the same fears. And so I think you kind of have to, um, write what you know and you create what you know. And so a lot of people end up doing that. And, I mean, misery's always been a great conduit for creativity. <laughs> no matter no matter when we've been. It could be the happiest day of everybody's life and they'll focus on the miserable part, you know. So I think um yes. I excel at that, my friend. Yeah, I think everybody does. That's not that's a part of the human condition, you know, and so trying to um overcome those things is really, you know, not to go back to that whole like, you know, rocky motivational speech, but you know, get up because Mickey loves you. Um uh, that's like you know part of the thing about you know growing is being able to deal with these sort of things that you feel are these giant oppressors because they they may or may not be i do believe in giant oppressors of course but um i also believe in you know being able to overcome these things 
you know, I, I think people can and they have the means. The problem is, is a lot of them don't know, you know, because, again, you're kind of crushed in this echo chamber of commercial. You know, the commercialism is so brutal that we have to deal with. And, you know, again, we have I feel like a massive systematic failure post Reagan, you know, like by our political leaders, you know, nearly every single one has been been something you know, there's just something. And while I know that others weren't squeaky clean before that, you know, I just feel like we've had a real tough go with everybody after that because, you know, most of these guys have been on TV. Most of them are selling something to you on TV. You know, we got gentlemen just up there, you know, representing companies, representing, you know, <laughs> news stations, you know, not even not even proper ideology. You know, they have contradicting ideology, but people don't really hear that because they're stuck in their poor little fear chamber we have. But, you know, that's also created some great, great, great stuff. You know, like you, you think about some of the, the art and novels and books and things that come out now. The reason they're so good is <laughs> because the misery clamp is so much harder. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right, man, we're running low on time. Do you want to, uh, real quick, let everybody know where they can find you and they can find your work and they can get at you and oh. maybe if there's any particular notes that they need to be like looking forward to, lay, lay it out now, my friend. Oh, boy. Sorry about that long tirade there. Yeah, man, like, you know, you can find me on the internet. It's www.exaltedfuneral.com. On the internet? Um, you know, I'm on all the major social medias, sadly, like I just complained about. <laughs> um, you know, you can find us everywhere and we got a whole bunch of stuff coming up. You know, I got, we got collaborations with Hydra co-op coming up. We got collaborations with as many people as I can get my poor little dirty mitts on, you know, uh, zine quest is coming up again. We'll probably be involved in a lot of that. Um, check that out on Kickstarter. Um, look out for your books to actually arrive from us. UVG is coming. Um, Big shout out to all the Exalted Funeral collaborators and family. Big big shout out to the editing crew of Moonrat Conspiracy, uh, Fiona and Jarrett, now with uh, a few others in the mix too. I love those folks. Um, you know, shout out to all the people that I work with. Shout out to you guys. You guys have uh, speaking of letting me horn in on stuff. You guys just let me bulge in. Like, <laughs> hey, will you let me be a sponsor? <laughs> oh, thanks, <man. laughs> No, man. I mean, like, I can't think of anybody else who we'd rather have be affiliated with. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, uh, it's peas and carrots, bro. It's like when, uh, you roll up to a new high school and there's, there's already some people there that are like you and you don't even have to sweat it. Mm. You know, you don't even have to get your face punched in. Well, that's super groovy. Rad. Yeah, radical, man. Right, right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks for coming on tonight. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, we really appreciate you being on the show and everything that you've done for us. Um, you know, all the shout outs and uh, hey we're just looking forward to everything that's coming up over the next year so don't be a stranger you know get at us and like let us know whatever it is you need and then cultists you guys all know mm -hmm. you guys all know uh, Exalted Funeral I mean, you've been hearing it so um, check it out check it out everybody alright well hey it's uh, Brennan Carrion signing off Matt Kelly. thank Peace. you very much have a good night thank you